to the church, and I said, God, you've got to say something through pastor today. I need a word from you. And she said, I spoke. I don't know anything about it. It wouldn't it wasn't because I was smart, because the Holy Spirit was here in a wonderful way, mighty way to take care of his people. She said that I spoke the very word. She asked the Lord to, that she needed to hear in that service. And then others who said, that service was for me. That word was for me. I'm telling you, he knows what we're going through. He knows how to minister to his people. He knows what you need today. And he's working on your behalf. And let me tell you, he puts, he put, how many of you have ever been blessed by him? You go through a trial, you go through a trouble, and then you get the blessing. How many have been there? I've gone through the fire, but I've come out on the other side unsinged, right? You, you've gone through the flood, but you came out and you were dry, on, walking through on dry ground. God protected you. He blessed you. Over and over and over again, you have found that the blessings of God follow the believer. Can I get an amen? You've been blessed before. Amen. I want to give you an update. If you can believe how God works. Last Sunday, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I know I wrestled all weekend long, lost sleep, changed the message. The, the speaker was changed. Everything changed last Sunday for a whole bunch of folks. There was only about 25 of you that said anything about it. There probably was a bunch more because even I was going through it. But you remember I shared with you that somehow I was hit with this attack of feeling discouraged and, and even uh, just uh, feeling defeated and, and even wanting to come and clean out my office at 4 o'clock in the morning. I, I was ready to quit. In my mind, the wrestling match was horrible. But the power of the Lord brought me through that and gave me a message. And the Lord worked, worked on all of us. Amen? Worked on all of us. But I want you to know what he does. He always comes right behind you with a blessing. He always comes right behind you with something. You remember how even Jesus, when he went through the wilderness experience, and he had been there 40 days and had fought the enemy, and he kept over and over again, it is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, devil. It is written, devil. Sometimes you got to fight him with that armor, right? But then it says at the end of there, and then once he'd come through that and the devil ran off scurrying, said that the ministering, ministering angels were there. The angels came to minister to the Lord. I have found that he sends ministering angels after we've been through our trials and troubles. How many have experienced that? Amen. You know, Monday morning, and, and I'll, I'll read my scripture and let you sit in just a moment. I, I'm cognizant that you're standing. Monday morning, my sister was at my house, and she was visiting. We were having a, she thinks she was having a cup of coffee. And I went to the door, and I opened the door, and there was a man and a woman I did not know. Had never met them in my life. She looked at me, and she was very nervous. She was wringing her hands, and she said, she said, this is going to seem so weird. She goes, are you a pastor? I said, yes, ma'am, I sure am. Immediately, I went into ministry mode. She said, well, this is going to seem really strange to you. And, and I, I don't do this kind of thing, don't I, honey? She looked at her husband. She said, I normally don't do this kind of thing. This is not my nature. She goes, but I, I came and I knocked on your door Saturday, and I had a message for you. And she said, I, you weren't here. And I, I was, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I know. I heard the door, but I really wasn't answering the door. I know, ain't I terrible? It's like you've never done that. <laughs> she said, well, I woke up this morning and the Lord told me that I had to go give you this message. She said, he told me if I didn't, I'd be in disobedience, that I had to do it right now. So she, I came down here with my husband, and she said, and we've knocked on your door, and you answered the door. She goes, I have a message. And I said, all right. I said, listen, I, I'm a pastor of a spirit-filled church. I said, I believe in that. I said, tell me what you've got to say. And she said, well, I don't know how you're going to receive this. She goes, I, I don't know. It's weird. And I said, just go ahead. She said, you just came through a battle? She goes, you were discouraged. She goes, and you even had thoughts of quitting. And I was like. And she's got tears in her eyes and she's shaking and she said, you, you probably know if, if this is right. You, am I right? And I said, yes, you're right. You're right. I said, that just happened this weekend. I said, and God even changed my message at the church. He, 
He brought me through this weekend, and it, it was a battle. And she said, oh, good. Then she started to cry. And she said, what the Lord says to you, that you're his son, that he has his hand on you, and you are moving forward, and God is going to bring you out of this, and it's going to come out and bless so many other people in your church. She said, God's hand is on you. Now I want you to know, amen. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's awesome. I'd like to sit back and say, you know, I made an appointment with the Lord, and I was in shock. I'm standing there with tears in my eyes. She's got tears in her eyes. Her husband is like, well, glory, well, glory. And I'm like, wow. I said, that is so amazing. I said, boy, we don't deserve that, do we? And she said, you're a man of God. I said, I want to be. I said, that's my heart's desire. And she said, well, you pray for us. And she stuck her head out there for me. And I prayed for both of them. And we, we, right there on my front porch, we were praying. The Holy Ghost prayed. We're right there. And I'm sure all my neighbors are going, what in the world's going on over there? But I will tell you this. We go through the battles. We go through the fire. We go through those things. But when we do, there is a reward on the other side of it. If we'll get through and we'll stay true, I tell you that not to boast on me, but to boast on him. I want to tell you he's a mighty God, a powerful God, and he loves you, and you don't go through anything that he don't come pick you up and minister to you. And once you've gone through the fire, you'll come out dancing on the other side. And then he comes along and blesses you. He comes along and rewards you, lets you know that you're in his hand. How many of you know you're standing in the palm of God's hand this morning? He's got his hand on you, and he's going to keep you. That's an update. So let's talk about reward, because that's where I'm going with our vision statement, serve the world. And the time that I have this morning, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, Jesus saying, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. That's amazing. Okay, he who receives you, if we go to someone to encourage, to serve, to make a connection, to pray over them, to visit with them. If they receive you, they receive me, he's saying. And if they receive Jesus, he says, then they receive the one who sent me, which is the Father. So everywhere you go, don't you ever doubt that you're an ambassador to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everywhere that you go, every person you minister to, every person you pray for, everybody you pat on the back, everybody you send a card or you send an encouragement, everybody that you minister and serve in this world, every one of them, he makes a promise. It's a reward. When they receive you, they get me. When they get me, they get the one who sent me. They get all of heaven. The Trinity comes visiting, knocking on every hospital door, on every prison door, on every person that needs a ministering hand of God. He comes in full army, full barrel. Amen? Beautiful. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. I have to understand what that means. I'm going to get to it in a minute. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Can you say amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We ask your blessings upon it. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Challenge us, Father, to be closer to you than we've ever been, to draw close to your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm. For the way that you take, I know. The steps that you walk, I'm aware. I know you're up rising and you're down sitting. I am a God in touch with my people. My compassions fail not. 
Trust and understand that I will lead you into the ways and means of victory that I have for you through highways and byways set up for you places of victory along your way. I will not leave you or nor forsake you, but if you will trust in my arm, you will see great and mighty things, for I desire to bless my people. I desire that my love will shine upon you and through you. Let me use you, says the Lord. Submit to me, and even Satan himself must flee. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a powerful word from your mighty spirit. Thank you, Jesus. For, Lord, it builds our confidence. It helps us to be full of courage and boldness to know that we're anointed. Every step is ordered of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're leading us, you're guiding us. And, yes, there'll be troubles along the way. We understand and we hear your words. Touch us today to be confident and courageous as Joshua was. Help us to walk in power and might, knowing that you will not leave us, not one second. And the Lord, as we walk, even the very powers of hell must, must flee. We thank you for this, Lord. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. You can be seated. The power that we're talking about, the supernatural life. God is doing something in our church. I want to be the kind of Christian, you want to be the kind of Christian that is finding supernatural power at work in your life. When I shut that door, I turned to my sister and I looked at her and she was like, her eyes big as saucers. She said, what in the world was that? I said, I have no idea, but I'm so thankful. And I feel the power and the spirit of God right now. And I'm telling you, that gave me boldness to be a lion. It gave me courage. I didn't care about the devil. As a matter of fact, when Jesus shows up, to tell you, you that you're in the middle of his hand and you belong to him, they can bring all the demons they want to to fight and we're ready to scrap with them because I found out that when you've got God on your side, you don't have to worry about the battle. It's already been won in the name of Jesus. We believe this, we know this, the power of the Lord at work in our lives. You want to be that person. You want to strive to be that person. We don't want to look at a situation like the blessings and the rewards that God gives to folks and say, well, that's for them. They're on the front line. Let me tell you something, we're all on the front line. We all need the supernatural power of God at work in our lives. And there is no way God will withhold that from you today. God wants to openly bless you he wants to reward you he wants you to be concerned about that you know say oh no no why why should we be so concerned about rewards pastor that seems so selfish no it's not selfish because i read the end of the book i know what we do with those crowns i know exactly what we do with those rewards the bible's filled with conversations with us for us about how we are gaining rewards here on this earth so that we might gloriously at the great white throne cast them at the Savior's feet. I know I'm not winning a battle for Ray Phillips. I'm winning a battle for Jesus Christ. I'm proving to my family, to my brothers and to my sisters, to my neighbors, I'm proving that God is not a myth. He's not a lie. He's not just some God among many other gods. He is the one and only wise potentate. He is the living mighty God and that power at work in our lives is what we want. You want that. You don't want to have to live your life waiting for some prayer warrior to try to have time and get through for you. You want to be a prayer warrior. You want to know the power of the Lord at work in your life. You want neighbors knocking on your door and giving you a message from God. You want the power of the Lord at work in your life with your family, your children. Amen. And we do care about rewards. We care about the things that we'll be able to give glory to God for. He wants to prove himself to this world. He wants to show himself powerful. He wants to, in, in an age, in a society like we're living, where wickedness is everywhere, where there is all kinds of, uh, the word I like to use for it is, is, is 
evil and, and debauchery and the, the wickedness, immorality that we see in the world, these words that describe it, you try to find the worst word you can find because it's so terrible today in our society. Christians, right now, you stand up for anything, you stand up for some mor morality or some kind of law of good and evil, and I'm telling you, you'll, you're liable to lose your job. You stand up for the right, you stand up for what's right in this world or anything that's godly, you're liable to get sued. These days, we're under attack. And it's right for us as the body of Christ and children of God that we are filled with the spirit and the power of God to do as much good, and can I say this, as much damage as we can to the enemy. To the enemy. You do damage to the enemy by showing the love of God to this world. By showing them the glory of his power in your life. That's why we can't be average. We can't be mediocre. We can't sit back on the pew. Well, I'm saved. I'm in the number. I'm going to heaven. My name's written in the book. That's all that matters. If I can just barely get there by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. Then I doubt very seriously if you've been in the mighty presence of God in a while personal encounter because I have found that the closer I get to him when I draw near to him he draws near to me and the closer he gets to me the more I want to find places to I can shout his glorious name and fill this earth with the knowledge that he is risen he's alive and he is at the right hand of the father I want to live my life not just having a cute little box of religion next to my bedside I want to live my life as an open book, a flame, a fire for him to be able to use me to be a light and an example to the world. And he does this through our love for the world. It's done through our service to the world. Uh-oh, here we go. Serve the world. In Matthew chapter 10, when he gets down to talking about this cup, before he did that, he, he explained to the disciples, he called all the disciples together, and it actually lists all the disciples' names there in Matthew chapter 10. And he goes on to tell them, he says, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, boys. It's going to be a time of great persecution. It's going to be wicked and evil. It's a fallen world. He says, I'm giving you authority to go out and cast out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. We understand this world. We, how many of you know we're not in a competition to try to be friends with the world? We want to win the world, win them to Christ. But we're not in competition to be buddies with the world. I have nothing in common with them. As a matter of fact, the more and more I live, I find myself feeling like I am a man without a country. Not because I'm not patriotic to America. I love America. But I'm telling you what, I'm getting a little homesick for glory. I'm getting homesick for a land where I fit in because I don't fit in very much here anymore. I can't find entertainment on TV that I, that'll make me feel good. I can't find any of the world's amusements that give me a pass, uh, helps me to pass the time. I find there's nothing that they think is funny, that they think is entertaining, that they think is leisure. None of those things even come near to making me feel any peace whatsoever. The only peace I know is the peace that is found in the presence of an almighty God who loves me and has given himself for me. And among my brothers and my sisters and to also shock people in the world. I like shock treatment. I love walking up to people. It just seems like people are so discouraged these days, so depressed. I know now I, I'm a week out. I know why I went through what I went through last weekend. The Lord let me know you're going to carry some of these things, heavy things, because people in your congregation are carrying them. Sometimes a shepherd has to understand what's hurting his sheep in order for him to be able to pray right and do right and help can bring the remedy to it. I've been praying for you that are under oppression. I've been praying for you that are under bondage. I've been praying for you that have felt discouraged and defeated. I've been praying a, pra a, a 
hedge of protection around you and around your home. And I've been praying for your children because I know a lot of them are going through rebellious thoughts and actions and deeds. And it's coming down and closing in on you and making you feel like you're feeling like you don't have any hope. But I'm telling you, these are things we're fighting in the spirit and we are going to see the reward from it. We're going to see the reward from it. But we've got to stay the course. We've got to be real. We've got to be real. We've got to submit every day. We've got to make sure we're on guard. Watch our own life. The Bible says guard your heart. Out of it comes the very essence of life. Somebody asked me the other day, they were talking about, about the blood and death and why. Why is Christianity about death? Why is it about the blood? Why is that? And I took that to the Lord, and, and I know the obvious answers. You know, I know about the, the blood sacrifice and the price that's paid for eternal life. But this person was asking, you know, why though? Why the blood? And as I began to kind of ask the Lord and pray about it, I was thinking about it, and it came real strong to me. I thought, you know, he searched all through heaven, and if there'd been a gold piece or a silver piece that would have done it, if there'd been anything material or anything outside of himself that would have been able to pay the price, he might have considered that. But he went looking for the most valuable, treasurable, priceless commodity that he had in all of heaven, and that was the blood of his own son, the blood that does not represent death. No, no, no. It represents life. And life more abundant. It's the treasure of heaven that's come to set us free. That's why, that's why Christianity focuses on the blood. That's why God gave us the blood. That's why he went for the most treasurable thing. The most valuable thing that he could possibly find to pay the price for those he loves. And the Lord loves us. But it takes courage and bravery and supernatural power. we got to stay focused and die daily. we got to commit to the Lord. I commit to the Lord. I don't know about you. I commit to the Lord every single morning. Every single morning. You say, well, you're a pastor. You don't need to do that. Sure I do. Are you kidding me? We fight the devil every day of our lives. If you're not careful, you're going to turn into an egomaniac. If you're not careful, you're going to turn into a mean old monster. If you're not careful, you're going to get so self-centered that people aren't going to be able to handle a conversation with you. If you're not careful, you'll get so caught up in the flesh, you'll start thinking you're holier than everybody else. You'll start walking in a hypocrisy kind of life, and you'll be somebody that God does more damage to the body of Christ than you do any good. It takes staying on your face every single day. To stay in an attitude of humbleness and brokenness before God and to be able to be used by Him. These are, these are just powerful words. You can take them or leave them. But I believe that we need to be submitted to the Lord fresh and brand new every single day. You don't know but what the devil hasn't got a trap laid out for you and you've got to resubmit yourself to the Lord. You know why? If James chapter 4, verse 7 says it best. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then it goes on and says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. As you draw near every morning, every morning, Jesus said to the disciples, when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, well, when you pray, pray this prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. That means we got to pray that every day. He wants us to pray this prayer, like this prayer, this attitude of prayer every single day. Give us today's bread, Lord. Help me today because the enemy can have my lunch. The enemy will take me down the wrong road. If I'm not careful and I don't die every single day, my favorite verse in all the Bible is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, because it's the one that gave me victory to overcome the evil one. It says, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, for it is not I who lives. It's not you, mister. It's not you, miss. It's not your power. It's not your goodness. You've not arrived and become more holy. You are not the all self-sufficient, righteous know-it-all that you think you are. You and I, we are crucified, fresh and brand new with Christ. He said, it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, Paul said, because he said, I'm living above the, all the 
problems. I'm living completely unchained and unshipwrecked, and I am no longer in prison. I'm completely free in him, and now that life I live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave his life for me. That is a discipleship scripture if there ever was one. Power of God. He loves, he loves this world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not, should not. It's not God's will that any should perish. How, how careful must we be, Cindy, when looking down our nose at some that we think are just not good enough. That'll never, they'll never make it. They'll never be as holy as they should be. They're, they won't live it. I've seen people make statements when someone's in the altar. Well, there they are again. Wonder how long that'll last. I heard somebody say that yesterday. Well, I wonder how long it'll last. My goodness. Folks, let's stay. Let's stay broken before God and realize, but for the grace of God, there goes me. There goes you. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you feel. Be careful the imaginations and the enemy, how he whispers in your ear stuff that's not holy, that's not righteous, and that's not right. You may have been a Christian 50 years. That doesn't mean the devil hasn't decided to trap you in a lie and deceive you and, de and de very, the very gates of hell come against you. It doesn't mean that he isn't working overtime on trying to destroy your walk with God. He will if he can. Makes me, reminds me of the old song, heaven sounding sweeter all the time. I just don't feel, Liz, like I belong here. I'm getting further and further away from it. I, I just don't feel like I, maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe if I was back to 25 again, I'd feel differently. I don't know. I just think it's the end times and we all ought to be feeling this way. I believe the Lord is getting ready to come. I can almost hear a trumpet this morning. I can almost sense a cloud bursting open in the eastern sky wide open because I believe with all of my heart. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe it. Comfort one another with these words, the Bible says. Heaven sounding sweeter all the time. Seems like lately, the old song says, it's always on my mind. Someday I'll leave this world behind, because heaven's sounding sweeter all the time. But in the meantime, while he was telling them it's persecution, it's betrayal, father will turn against son and daughter will turn against mother, families will be divided, betrayal will happen. I'm seeing it. You're testifying it to it. Every chance we get in the office and in prayer altars in different places, we see how the enemy is tearing apart the home, tearing apart marriages, tearing apart family units and taking men and women and, and putting in strange ideas and doctrines anymore. Don't even know what the definition is according to society of real marriage anymore. Let me tell you, it's all in the word. It's right there for us. And we got to understand to stay as close to this word as we possibly can. Because in these last days, these evil, wicked days that we're in, there is still a promise from the Lord. He says, if... After all this persecution, after all this betrayal, after all these, 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 these things that you're going through, if you even so much as give a cup of cold water, you will by no means lose your... I like that because in the Greek, that's a double negative. What that means in, in double negative anywhere, but it means it's like saying no, no, never, no way. So God is saying, no, no, never, no way will you ever lose your reward. He keeps accounting that you and I don't even have a clue about. You and I think it's the big things. We think it's the big crusades. It's the big churches. It's the big preachers. You don't understand that God is trying to get across a, a point to us 
that lets us know that there is such an accounting that's going on in heaven and that no great thing is ever done alone. No great evangelist, Billy Graham, and all of the honor that he received, he was not a lone ranger. There were people behind him packing boxes and driving cars, and there were people setting up crusades. There were all kinds of hundreds of people setting up T-shirt booths and Bible booths and people blurting and being ready to pray in the altar. Billy Graham never won one soul by himself. There was somebody somewhere along the line that was helping him. And that's the truth for the man that builds the mega church, for the pastor that stands behind the pulpit. It's true for the missionary and the teacher. None of us do it by ourselves. We are all one body joined together, each one doing his part to do what we can to bring about the kingdom of God. And so the mystery is solved in that Jesus says, if you bless a prophet with a prophet's blessing, you'll get what you just gave him. And I started reading that stuff, and I was like, what? Whoever blesses a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will be blessed as a righteous man. And I thought, what is that about? And then the picture came to me of this cup. And I thought about the ushers that always every Sunday make sure I've got a cold glass of water in this pulpit. And I use it. <laughs> and the Lord showed me that picture. And he said, every time, man of God, you get up and deliver the word in obedience, you're being obedient. Every time you deliver the message and people come to the Lord, are delivered, are healed, are saved. Every single time you do, the one who brought the water gets the blessing just as much as you do. He gets the prophet's blessing. Many of you guys, I don't know which one did it this morning, but whoever did it this morning, you've got the preacher's blessing. You've got the prophet's blessing on you because you are helping the prophet. I'm smart enough to know it's not me. I'm thankful for the folks that are down there right now taking care of the babies in nursery so you can be right here. They're going to receive the blessing. If somebody gets saved, if somebody gets delivered, they're going to receive a reward. God rewards you not according to how big your deed is, but by how faithful your motive is. The bigger the heart, the better the blessing in God's kingdom. Whoever's doing the sweeping, who's ever doing the stacking of the chairs, whoever's working together to bring it all together, that's the joy of the mysteries of God's reward and his blessing upon the church. Ask a runner in a marathon the value of one small drink of water. Ask that someone who's on life support in the hospital how much, how treasure treasurable it is that when someone takes a little sponge of water and just dampens their lips. Ask that rooftop worker in the heat of the day, what is the value of a cup of water? I remember one time when I was young, I was about 17 years old, I ran out of gas and I ran out of gas 10 miles from my house. And it was after hours and it was closed and it was hot, it was a sultry summer night. And so I did only thing, we didn't have like, I mean, I'm dating myself, but we didn't have iPhones so I could just text somebody or call somebody. My phone had already been dead and it was like, wow, wow, this big and had an antenna off the side and it was dead. And so it wasn't working. And so I got out the car and I had to walk and I walked for 10 miles and I was on country roads up in Dayton over by old Dayton Road and uh Fair, uh, what is that, Germantown uh, Road in, uh, I'm trying to think of that other word, Farmersville. I was walking those country roads up there, and I had walked and walked. I got to five miles, I got to six miles, seven miles, and my feet were hurting. I didn't wear the right shoes. It was bad. I was scalding hot. I was so thirsty, I couldn't hardly stand it. I didn't know what to do. I'm walking around a corner, and I'm trying my best to get to the house as quickly as I can, and I wasn't thinking about spaghetti I wasn't thinking about a hamburger I was thinking about water I just needed water if I could just have a glass of water everything would be fine I got to mile nine and I'm like oh just one more mile I think to go I wasn't counting at that time I measured it later 
that I was walking, and I got all the way up past that ninth mile. And when I came around this one little corner, I looked, and there was just this little old truck stop. It was just no big. It was closed, but there was a, it was a Pepsi machine. And anybody who knows anything knows Pepsi ain't no good. But, but at that particular moment, at that particular moment, I saw that thing lit up. And I was like, <laughs> trying to find quarters, trying to find everything I could. I pulled out. I just had just enough money. I lacked a quarter. And it wouldn't do anything. Yeah, I know. Don't you feel bad for me? And I saw that thing, and I just thought, oh, if I just had another quarter, if I just had one more quarter, everything would be great. And I, I couldn't hardly stand it. I kept walking. I kept walking. I get all the way to my house, and when I walked in the door, my mama was standing there, and she said, where have you been? And I said, mama, <laughs> I just walked 10 miles. My feet hurt. My body hurts. I'm, I was scared out there, and I am thirsty. And she turned around and went in the kitchen. I heard her go, and she came out and had a Pepsi in her hand and gave it to me. And I was so happy. I drank that thing, and then I went for the water too. But I drank that, that sustenance, that, that light little thing, insignificant little thing that we wouldn't think really matters. I'm telling you, there are people, there are uh, stories of travelers in the Old Testament. There was a beautiful story I found and read uh, several years ago. It talks about the travelers. When people used to travel from Jericho to, to Jerusalem or to Samaria or to the different little towns all along the way, Capernaum, just places they'd go, the neighbors, they were, the Israelis were taught hospitality. They were taught to serve people. And so they would see travelers coming down the path, and they would run to the well. And they would get a cup of cold water, and they'd run it out to the path, and they'd offer it to the traveler that was there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if there'd just been somebody like that who'd have come along when I needed them. But I know there's somebody this morning anointed to be a, a servant, to be someone who's filled with hospitality and love. You see, the Lord wants us to get a mindset that says when we're out there doing our best to serve and to love others, and we get the mentality that what we do, we do for the cause of Christ. We don't do it for personal gain. We don't do it for personal acknowledgement. We don't even do it for personal reward. We do it so that he will be honored and glorified. Everything that we do should be done with an attitude and a respect that says, God, we are doing this for your glory. Let it shine in their lives as a a, a, a display and an announcement that you are alive and well. Everything that we do, hospitality, serving, this idea of serving. And he says, if you serve a preacher, you get a preacher's blessing. If you serve a righteous man, you get a righteous man's blessing. If you serve a missionary, a teacher, if you serve someone, who, the least of these, he says, the very least of these. So that means anyone. A stranger on the side of the road, walking, traveling, their journey. He says, offer them a cup of cold water. When we change our mentality, then an anointing comes on our serving. And it's no longer just a churchy duty. It's not just something we should do. We're anointed to do it. When I was in Belgium with our young people on a mission trip many years ago, I was blown away by this church, the New Jerusalem Church, that when we were there ministering to them, they were a French Congo African church, and, and they were so precious and so wonderful to us, and they wouldn't let us do anything for ourselves. I walked into the church, and there was a gentleman standing at the door, and he said, Bishop, and I said, he said, I'll take you to the pastor's office. And I got to the pastor's office, and when I walked in the office, I, I turned around and sat down, and they had already done all their homework, and they came in with a Coke. <laughs> he handed me a Coke, and, and I drank that, and, and I was like, wow. And he took my Bible and my notes and held them in his hands and wouldn't even let me carry them. And 
And when we walked into the sanctuary, everybody opened doors. I didn't open one door, and none of our kids that were there, we had 21 that was on the trip, and all of them, not one of them had, had was allowed to lift anything. Not one of them was allowed to do anything for themselves. We received a little bit of breakfast, and the, some of the ladies stood back with little trash bags, and as soon as they saw us take the last bite, They'd come right over and they'd take our trash. And, and they just served us over and over again. We were there for several days. And everywhere we went, everything we did, they served and served. And they had smiles on their face. And they wouldn't eat. They would just sit back. We ate lunch that day at a big old spaghetti dinner. And all of us were eating and laughing and talking. And, and here was all those rows of servants. And they were all standing back there watching our every move. And we felt so bad about it that at one point I looked at the young people and I said, you guys clean up after yourself. Don't, we don't want them to have to do that. Let's, let's, we're the missionaries. We're here on, on assignment. I said, let, let's help them. And so we started kind of sneaking our trash. And, and I picked up some of my trash and I was kind of like trying to do it incognito. And I picked up one of the bags, and as soon as I did, I saw three girls. No, 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 pastor. You don't do that. No. And she came over, grabbed the bag from me, and took my trash. And they were serving. They were so beautiful. We sat at, at lunch the next day, and I talked to the kids. And we were all sitting around the table. And I said, what is some of the things that have touched you the most while you've been here in Brussels? And one of them lifted up her hand, and she said, I can't believe how they serve us. It's weird. And I said, I know. And she started crying. Another one piped up and said, they won't let us do anything for ourselves. I feel like we're so blessed. And one of the others piped up and said, I think they have an anointing behind it. Because I feel the spirit of God every time they come around me. And we all cried. And I said, guys, I said, Put that in your pocket. I said, feel it, put it in your pocket, and let's take it back home to Ohio. And when we got home, I challenged those young people, and you should have seen them. Oh, it, weeks and weeks and a couple months, they were serving like crazy. They went nuts around this church. We needed some, we were doing a state event right here that very next week, and they were all over the place trying to serve and take care of people. Seventy-five of our kids showed up just like that to serve and to help. It was an amazing thing to see it in action. Let me tell you, he says, Jesus says, you go visit the sick. You go to the hospital. You go take care of the homeless, the hurting. Take care of those that have no clothes. Take care of that mother with three kids that's struggling to get in the door. You take care of helping your brothers and your sisters as they struggle through this life. If you do that, Jesus says, you've done it unto me. Matthew chapter 25, he says, when you see their face, he said, the king will say as they come around, he says, when you... Uh, you did it unto me when you visited the sick, when you went to the prisons, when you did these things, you fed the hungry, when you did those things, you, you did it unto me. And they said, Lord, how could we have ever done it to you? If we'd served you, Jesus, we would have known it. We would have remembered that. We would have remembered that, Lord. If we had fed you or visited you when you were sick, if we'd have taken care of you, we'd have done that. In other words, Lord, we would remember the big things. We'd remember the, the big frontline things. And Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, see my face. Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, there I am. Man may not remember. Church may not remember. You may be doing something and feel like you're all by yourself and no one notices. But if we truly understand the mystery of the kingdom, we know that it isn't just the preachers. It isn't the singers. It isn't the teachers. It isn't the evangelists. And all those people, it's everyone together standing in the shadows that receives the blessing and the reward. And his accounting, his accounting never fails. His accounting's good this morning. He remembers things that you've forgotten. He remembers things that you have forgotten. 
And he looks for the motives, not the gift, not the skill, not the quantity. He looks at the heart. And he rewards. He says, by no means will they lose their reward. Serving is not about just religious duty. It's about loving Jesus. It's about ministering to Jesus. And it's about the mystery of the kingdom. That when we all come together. We will have crowns. To cast at his feet. Because it will have always been him. Right? Stand with me if you will. you have that message, would you obey the Lord right now? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've been in the church long enough to know when you're allowing your, your seal, your, your sanctioning on a service and on a message for your people. Thank you for that. Lord, we honor you in this house this morning. It's so important to give our lives in every way to the Lord. I wrote this down in my, my notes. If you're going to be a Christian, be one. Decide what team you're on. If you're on the Lord's team, then put his uniform on. If you're in the world, then wear the world's uniform. And follow the leading of God in being the real deal. You can do more by your good faithfulness to God than being a part of every ministry in the church. Faithfulness. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, what I would challenge our church with, I would challenge us seek out the, the beauty and the, the relationship with Jesus that comes through service. He wants us to serve the world. The, the awesome thing about it is the mystery. If we serve the world, it connects people to God. The God in us, the Son in us, connects to the Father in us. So it connects with them. It shows them that God is real. It brings Him to them. But it also, it also speaks and witnesses. That it's a light in the darkness of this world. It shows the glory and the power of God's reality. And it also sets up accounts for you and I for the rewards of glory. And that's okay because it's fair. We want, we want to do our best. We want to be excellent in all that we do and how can we when it's fire shut up in our bones not find every avenue and every way to minister to the people and show them his power so Lord we want to serve we want we want to at the very even least give a cup of cold water to those who in this world are thirsty for truth thirsty for Reality that God is real. They've run to so many temporary fixes from drugs to alcohol to immorality, trying to find these answers, these quick fixes to their problems. But Lord, you, you are the long term answer for every need. You're the eternal answer, Lord, and we give you praise and we thank you challenge our church and our people to truly be servants to bless you and to honor you and to express the change in our own lives in every stranger and every brother that we meet every sister and Lord I pray that you will minister to those today that don't have relationship with you that perhaps as they're here in this house today they want to make a commitment to you 
I'd ask in this congregation if there's anyone who would say, Pastor, I, I want to accept Jesus in my life and pray the prayer to receive him. If you're here and that's you and you'd pray that prayer with me this morning, would you just simply lift up your hand and write back down? I don't want to leave here without giving you the opportunity to pray. Are you here? Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. I want to be right with God today. All right. With that said, we're going to pray a final prayer, and I'm going to have Richard come pray that prayer. Let's understand the mystery of the kingdom. Serving, loving. Let's try to outserve one another. Mark, I want to outdo you. Peggy, I want to outdo you. I want to serve, and I want, I want to, I want it to be the the identity, the identifying label over my life that he was a servant of Jesus. I want the same thing for you. Nicole Locke is our volunteer life director, and I guarantee you she's in the receiving mode for volunteers. Serve. Find every little, tiny way to serve. A pat on the back, an encouraging post card in the mail find ways to minister you say oh I'm looking for the big ministry I'm looking for you know what I'm called to do you're called right now to serve and there is no higher greater honor and nothing you could do any greater for the Lord than to just faithfully serve him so Richard pray for us and I want to say Sandy and Rick so good to see you all in service the last two weeks I've seen you I was gone for a couple weeks I think you've been here for a few weeks they are back home they moved back home and we're so happy that they're part of us back here at the fa- with the family we love you guys and so sad when you left but that only makes it even greater now that you've come home God bless you we love you guys Richard dear Heavenly Father Lord we thank you and praise you Lord that you have left the gift to us. You have left the possibility for us to serve alongside you. God, you have showed us what a servant looks like. You have given the very best. Lord, we pray that you would touch our hearts and our lives. Lord, that we might serve in every area of our life, in every day, in every walk, our family, our friends, those that we work with. God, we pray that you would anoint us and use us and open our eyes and open doors. Lord, that we'll see and that we'll walk through the opportunities that you bless and give us. Lord, and I pray, Lord, not only that we receive the reward uh, in heaven, but, Lord, I pray that we see the fruit of our labors. Lord, that there's a, a, a result that comes in the harvest field that souls for you. God, that when your word goes out, when your testimony goes out, people will be saved. I pray that you would anoint us and use us this week to be your church alive and well. In the name of Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We want to remind you again, we have some service days coming up this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, we want to see you next Sunday at Pastor Appreciation. God bless you all.